Hi, and welcome to Claiming Zero, the podcast about living child-free with Dallas. I don't know. I just think about like any person that has a passion that's a creative passion like that. It really has to be your whole life. And Vanessa. And she says, this is her quote. There's scientific proof that the lives of children are going to be very difficult, and it does lead young people to have a legitimate question. Is it okay to still have children? Shall we begin? Welcome back to another episode of Claiming Zero. If you haven't been around in a while, welcome back. I am Dallas. And of course, we have my other half, Vanessa. Hello, hello. And, you know, this is just yet another episode we love to do over and over every month. Um, it is our history episode. And so uh, if you're not aware, every single episode we do, someone from the past and someone from the present, a woman who is child-free or was child-free. And this one, this week, I wasn't sure, you know, I'm, I'm doing someone from the past who's, you know, no longer here, but has left a mark on the world. And it took me a little while to figure out who I was going to do. And before I made the you, choice. Before you reveal, I have to thank you for something. What? So the other day, I every morning I get like news alerts for for work and like it, my my phone plays like here's the things you need to know and like history and yada yada right, mm-hmm. and so I was listening to it the other morning, and I wasn't really paying attention, but then I hear like and today was the day that Sally Ride became the first woman to and I was like oh, I know her and I know her because Dallas taught me who she is. I just yes. So thanks for teaching me things. Oh, anytime. I'm going to teach you a little bit more. Yeah. Teach me things today. This is the story of Georgia (gasps) O'Keeffe. I don't know. The American artist. Okay. She's a painter. Okay. Love it. Okay. So you, I'll get into her life in just a moment, but I want to make sure you know who I'm talking about because I feel like most people have seen her art before and maybe just don't recognize the name um she's famous for the like the big giant flowers the big giant like in general just big giant like oh the ones that like the doctors put in their offices and (laughs) the ones we stare at when we're getting cavities filled (laughs) maybe some of those are hers (laughs) i don't mean to deplete her her masterful artwork i just that's what i thought of dedicated her entire life to painting and now what is it in a doctor's <laughs> office <laughs> but you know what i mean it's always and so, they have those like quotes on the wall yes yes yeah. next to a picture of like a cat who's like you can do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well then let me tell you because i i know who i know who she was before i did this um <clears throat> so georgia o'keefe was born November 15th, 1887. Ooh. And I looked it up because we always do this. She's a Scorpio. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, good to know. I had to make sure I checked on that. Um, so she basically, we've heard this sort of um, title given to him before, and this just falls into it. The mother of American modernism. Oh, mm-hmm. that's a title. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's, she's known for like super like enlarged flowers. She did uh, a lot of her artwork was like New York skyscrapers, New Mexico landscapes. Um, she really painted every, like she painted what she saw, but, um, small connection to me, but not really. It's a stretch seven degrees of separation. Um, you have have flowers. (laughs) I have flowers. I like flowers. No, she was born in sun Prairie, Wisconsin. And I was born and was raised in Wisconsin. Her parents were dairy farmers. So that's very fitting. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's very Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even, yeah, of course. And then she was the second of seven kids. So, so her and I are basically bosom buddies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Basically she knows what it's like to be you. (laughs) That's why she probably had no children. I'm going to guess. And I feel like this is where she connects with you a little bit at the age of 10 she knew and she decided she was going to be an artist. Like that was it. She knew. Like I imagine like a young Vanessa at like 10 years old being like, I love to talk to people. Look at that news lady on TV. She's awesome. I'm going to be a broadcast journalist. It was more like my parents going, Hey, stop talking to strangers or make a living from it. That's what it came down to. I was like, okay, done, done. Yeah. So at 10 years old, she literally like started learning to paint watercolor, which I'm not going to lie. I was like, I'm going to start painting in quarantine when it's all first started. And I was like, watercolor is beautiful. And so I bought stuff. It is hard to paint watercolor. It is no joke. Is it? I feel like watercolor yeah. is what like you get your toddler their first go around at well, this is why I'm not a mom. I would go get watercolors <laughs> for my kids. And like that, I feel like is like the easiest. It's not, it's, it's not to do like legitimate watercolor painting. It's really not. Oh, so not like the pre-K, like you dump it all on one. Not page. like just scribble a bunch of stuff together. No, this is, she's a real artist. I know. I keep, I keep making her whole <laughs> legacy. Just, she's probably turning over her grave. Like woman, <laughs> she, she may be. <laughs> um okay so basically yeah she's she's so she's born in wisconsin um in 1902 she's i'm not doing the math she's 15 um her family moves to virginia and basically she really did start painting right away and never stopped throughout her entire life she was constantly like going to school for different things now not different things and like not art but just like various art techniques, learning from different famous artists. She was continually educating herself, but then also when she was only 24 years old in 1911, she starts teaching like in colleges and uh, like art schools and stuff. So she's immersed in the world of art completely. I don't know. I just think about like any person that has a passion that's a creative passion like that it really has to be your whole life if you want to make something of it and not just to be like, oh, I do watercolors for fun in my spare time when I'm not at my nine to five job. Like she was a true, true artist. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so she does everything from realism to abstract art and she basically helps establish the American modernism movement, hence mother of American modernism. And so, okay, so in 1916, she sends a series of charcoal drawings to a friend of hers. Now I had to like think about this, I'm like charcoal drawings, what's happening? <laughs> but remember, this is 1916. And I think only two years earlier is when the Titanic sank. Like this is the time period oh, no. we're talking about. And I just thought of, I was like, charcoal drawings, Titanic. Oh my gosh. Do you remember when Leonardo DiCaprio drew 
the beautiful stunning figure in charcoal with his hand that's what it was like oh so when she was like paint me like one of your french girls it was charcoal so it wasn't paint so she lied like she did when she said that she was gonna never let go (laughs) got it it was a sketch not a painting it wasn't a painting (laughs) it was a sketch welcome to claiming zero where we fact check that's right (laughs) we set you straight so okay so this friend that she sends these to this friend sends them to a gallery owner named alfred stieglitz remember that for later um and then he ends up exhibit exhibiting them at his gallery called 291 or 291 or 291 i don't know it's three numbers you decide how to say the name (laughs) (laughs) got it so okay so this alfred guy she's like huh she meets him it's not not too shabby. So in 1918, two years later, she moves in with him. No. Naturally. And basically he's like, look, I'll financially support you. Move into this New York apartment and let's live together. She's like, all right, I'm going to do art for a living. Someone else has got to support me because right now I'm not making any money. So now she's like, okay, I'm, I'm coming for your world. She's actually becomes the first woman artist to show at uh, MoMA, which is the Museum of Modern Art in New York, which is a very, very prestigious gallery, mm-hmm. art museum, whatever. So time's going on. She's doing really well. She's, I mean, we're talking about the 40s now. So she's in her 50s and she's mm-hmm. still painting. She is still creating new art. She's traveling. We get to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Think about this. This is only born in the 1800s and now it's like the 1970s. She's unfortunately loses her eyesight, most of her eyesight. And I imagine as a painter, that's not very, that's not a very good thing. Right. Probably a little bit tragic for you. So she decides she's going to write an autobiography. So in 1976, she writes an autobiography called Georgia O'Keeffe. Nice. (laughs) And it actually does really well. And she really has at this point made a name for herself. People know who she is. They want to honor her. In 1975, there's an artist that paints a, uh, a painting called The Dinner Party. And basically it's like all these prominent, like art, women in art and various, you know, art forms. But George O'Keefe was like, look, mm -mm, I'm not into all this feminist art movement situation. You do you. I'm, don't call me a woman artist. Like I'm just an artist. She just, she's good for her. Just wants to be an artist. That's all. And so this woman keeps working up until 1984 and I did the math ahead of time. She is now 94 years old. Woo. Yes. She continues to create and to paint and to sell her art. And two years later, in 1986, she finally passes away. Probably just of old age because damn, like that's yeah. a long time. That's she went life. through the 1918 pandemic. She saw on the news about the Titanic she went through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. Like she did it. Um, a couple of when I was reading about her, a couple of like name drops that are thrown out there that she was friends with were the Lindberghs, <laughs> which you may recognize that name from like the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Um, Joni Mitchell, the artist, the singer. Nice. And uh Ansel Adams who is a very famous um landscape photographer he does uh, black and white I love his paint or his photography cool so really like big names she's she's not small business um her paintings at this point in time today are all over the world 
Um, she actually, uh, when she was at towards the end of her life, she was living in New Mexico and her house was turned into a museum. So a lot oh, of her original it. art is there. Yes. And she creates like a foundation and everything. In 1996, the U.S. post office um, puts, you know, stamps out of all sorts of cool things. So she got to have some of her art uh, put in stamps, which is kind of cool. That is really um, cool. Yeah. There's, you know, there's always like people in history whose faces are on there, but her art became stamps. So wait, are you telling me that when I go buy a stamp and it has a flower on it, it's hers because <laughs> no. those are the stamps I buy. I mean, not just like any old flower. Every flower. That's what I've learned today. <laughs> any flower you've seen painted is by Georgia O'Keeffe. Nailed it. No one else. No one. No one else paints flowers. Flower. Yeah. No. <laughs> you heard. She's it the only one. <laughs> She's copywritten flowers in general. <laughs> <laughs> the geek in me is kind of fascinated by this. There is a fossilized species of an archosaur which is like a kind of dinosaur and they named it after her oh like, it's like genus and species name is named after her which i was like <laughs> that's cool name some dinosaur after me the yeah. dallasaur <laughs> the dallas that's a good name yeah don't worry see, like, if i have it's... a child i'll name it the dallasaur oh, just perfect. for you so i want to end her story with one really interesting like i mean this is to me, this just tells you how famous she really was. Um, she, in 2014, mm-hmm. her painting of uh, entitled Jimson Weed slash White Flower Number One, which was painted by her in 1932, broke the record for the highest painting sold by a female artist for $44.4 million. Ooh. You want to know who bought it? Leonardo DiCaprio. The Ooh. heiress to Walmart, Alice Walton. Oh. I was a... like, why? So I like checked <laughs> Because they don't out. sell like, that in Walmart. That's you why. You can't buy a 44.4 million dollar Georgia O'Keeffe from Walmart. You cannot. But Alice Walton apparently is a very big art collector. She owns some very famous artworks. Um, she never had kids. And I know I didn't really talk about her choice for that, but I think that a lot of like very creative artistic people put so much passion into what they do and their entire life revolves around it. And there is no time for a kid. She was married. She, you know, if that was in the cards, she could have had a kid, but she didn't. And there's, you know, there's not a lot of things that she talks about that, but even in her, for her, you know, for her time, think about the 1880s is when she was born. So she's coming up in the twenties and the thirties and the forties when you were a stay-at-home housewife and you had five kids, that was what your role was. And she neglected all of that, which I really love about her. And, um, I'm a big fan of her art. So we'll make sure, make sure to check out her Instagram. If you have no (laughs) idea what we're talking about. That's going to be me. I'm going to look it up right now and see how many flowers I've actually seen in the doctor's office that belong to her. (laughs) <laughs> I was lovely. Thank you. I I did not know who she was. And I also did not know you were such an art enthusiast. So I learned. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I am doing, um, it's funny that you chose her and that she's an artist because when I was looking for someone present day, it's so easy to find like famous actresses and even actors who are child. Mm-hmm. But I'm really trying to find people who are not like your 
I don't know. They just aren't in that category. Not that there's anything right. wrong with that, but I'm like, okay, we get it. You're famous. You're an actress, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I really dug and I found and I am doing Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. <gasps> At the front door. I know. AOC. Oh my God, I love her. I follow her on Instagram. <laughs> so funny you say that because that is going to tie in huge. So if you don't know who I'm talking about, which don't, don't be, I knew very little about her. So you're with me and we're going to go through it. She's known as AOC. Yes. You might recognize her from a Netflix documentary that's called Knock Down the House. She was one of the four women that they followed. And I'll get more into that later. But if you, so if you've seen that documentary, you'll know who this is. If not, be like Dallas, go online. You can, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to try not to fangirl. I love her a lot. Well, and for good reason, I'm sure. So, okay. So here we go. This is, uh, she was born October 13th of 1989. I put in a little note there for me that we're sisters because we're born in the same year. So anyone born (laughs) 1989 is my sister. (laughs) Um, She's American politician. So that's why I'm saying she's not like a famous, you know, mm-hmm. celebrity. She's a politician and an activist. She's been in office since January of 2019. She is a Democrat and also a socialist. She's the New York representative. She represents the Bronx, Queens, Rikers Island. Like she is in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, best coolest fact about her, which I'm sure you already know, but our listeners may not know. She is the youngest woman to ever serve in the United States Congress. She was um, elected just at the age of 29, which I was like, yas queen is what I wrote next yes. to it. <laughs> amazing. And a big is. reason as to why she gets so much flack, but oh, yeah. I digress, we'll get into that. So, okay, her story is so cool because she was literally just a waitress and bartender who was also an activist that was like, I'm gonna run for office. Like literally she was just your day-to-day person. And if you watch the Netflix documentary, it like lays it out perfectly where you see that she's just me and she's you. And then she's like, I'm going to do something about this. So Mm -hmm. she is educated. She went to Boston University. She double majored in international relations and economics. I'm going to kind of go a little bit backwards. We're going to start with like her childhood and then go forward. That was just like the big things about her. (laughs) So she was born into a Catholic family in New York City in the Bronx. She does have a younger brother named Gabriel who plays a very pivotal role in her political um, life. Her father was also born in the Bronx, Puerto Rican. He was an architect. He died when she was fairly young. He died in 2008. So she was right out of high school um, from lung cancer. And her mom is still with us. Her mom is Puerto Rican, born in Puerto Rico, and she's a house cleaner, which comes into play again in a little bit. So in college, so she went off to college. She served as an intern for the U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy. And this was kind of like her first time like dibbling into politics. And she dealt with like foreign affairs and immigration issues. And I have a quote from her here. She says, I was the only Spanish speaker. And as a result, basically at the age of 19, 20 years old, whenever a frantic call would come into the office because someone was looking for their husband because they'd been snatched off the street by ICE, I was the one that had to pick up the phone and I was the one that had to help the pers- that person navigate the system. Mm. And I was reading that last night and I told Devin, I was like, can you imagine... 19 20 years old like we talk about this often like even with your with with your person like she was 15 like those are Mm -hmm. such young ages to be doing such huge things right Mm -hmm. 
so here's the thing after college she's like okay she's got a bachelor's degree did she go off and do amazing things from there well no because she had to she says return home to become the waitress and bartender not because she didn't have the education to get a job but because she had to help her mom pay her bills so her mom was like literally scrubbing toilets for a living and so she made the decision to yes i have a degree yes i could go get a job somewhere else in a different city but like many americans she made the sacrifice to go i'm gonna go back home i'm gonna help my mom sustain a life and so she did what she had to do And I put that in there because I feel like that is something a lot of people can relate to. Okay, so then we flash forward to um, 2016. So 2016, she was an organizer for the Bernie Sanders campaign. Now, I do want to preface, I am bringing up a lot of political things here. This is not a political podcast. Uh, After the general election, she traveled across America by car and went and like went to visit and speak with people. And two of the places she stopped, she went to where the Flint water crisis happened, Mm -hmm. which I did not know much about before this. And again, not a political podcast, so I won't get into it. But if you want to know what it is, give it a Google. It's BS is what it is. Mm -hmm. And then she also went to North Dakota where she um, talked to people about the Dakota access pipeline issue. Mm -hmm. So again, give that a Google. Uh, Mm -hmm. But basically, she really went into the community, and that trip is what inspired her to start being an activist in her own community. Oh, She said that she saw that these people didn't really have anything, that normally, she she said, I felt like you had to have money and resources and be connected to be in politics and make change, but these people were just advocating within their community. Mm -hmm. So that's what she started to do back in New York. Okay. So then um, the day after she went to visit North Dakota, she got a phone call from the brand new, um, it says from the brand new Congress, they were doing um, recruiting progressive candidates and her brother had nominated her. Oh, I'm like, that's cool. Like go brother, you know, Um, something that stuck out to me in the documentary. Have you seen it, Dallas? No, you know what? I haven't. What's it called again? It's called knock down the house. Okay, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And it doesn't just follow her. There's four women in there, but she's Mm -hmm. one of them. Okay. Uh, The interesting thing that stuck out to me is that at one point she's, you know, she's given her little like thing to the camera. And Mm -hmm. she she says, we need about, I forget the exact number, but it's somewhere like around 1500 signatures. She's like, Mm -hmm. we need about 1500 signatures, but because we're going to submit this and she's going up against a guy who has been in, in term for 10 years yeah like we're shooting for ten thousand. Oh my god they're gonna throw out any signature that has like any sort of discrepancy sure interesting i was like dang she's like going above and beyond right and in the documentary you'll see like she hits the streets she's talking to the people she's literally going door to door and asking Mm -hmm. people like what do you need to see change she debates things like it's wild yeah so flash forward spoiler alert sorry on june 26th (laughs) of 2018 she gets she gets chosen okay so she received 57 it's a very important percentage 57.13 percent of the vote which is like a little over 15,000 votes and then Crawley who's who she went up against got 42.5 percent so she beat him by about 15 percent percentage points and I put in here the U.S. was shook <laughs> Because I have quotes from different like big magazines. So the Time magazine said, this is the biggest upset of the 2018 election so far. 
CNN and New York Times also made similar statements saying basically like this is this is like everyone was in the political realm was like what the hell just happened yeah this old Caucasian man (laughs) is no longer in office and this young this young Puerto Rican is like stepping in like yeah the whole time she was campaigning, it was very hard for her to get any media coverage. No one wanted to cover her her story, her campaign. I mean, minus the Netflix documentary, if that wouldn't have mm-hmm. happened, we wouldn't really have any footage of anything, right? So she literally built a name for herself, which is where we get to what you said, her social media. Mm-hmm. So she is like a legit influencer. So she has 22 million Twitter followers, eight point, like oh, eight over 8 million Instagram followers. And then I put this in here because I think it's funny. She only has 400,000 Facebook followers. And I just put like, because <laughs> we all know who's on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So she really like talks straight to the people. And I have mm-hmm. some examples we're going to get into. Um, she took, so she took her seat in January of 2019. And then homegirl wasted no time. In nope. February of 2019, she made a comment about climate change, which again, shook the United States. And this is where we get into <laughs> living so she basically says that it's a like climate change is a legit reason to not have kids okay so she goes on instagram live which is what she does and she only had like 2.5 million followers at the time and she says this is her quote there's scientific proof that the lives of children are going to be very difficult and it does lead young people to have a legitimate question is it okay to still have children so that's what she said in her instagram live that made like all the media Mm. go like oh what is she doing? Um, because this is, and, and we've talked about this Dallas, like we've talked about doing the topic of climate, like going into the reasons yes. why people choose not to have children. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we're like, we need to do more research on climate change before we bring that to the podcast. Yeah. But this is one of the huge things in the child-free community that is like a legitimate thing. So we, we are going to talk about it one day. We just need yes. the time to put the pieces <laughs> together. So she's bringing light to this. Um, mm-hmm. She is working on a solution. So she's a co-sponsor on something called the Green New Deal resolution. Mm-hmm. And basically what that does or that's planning to do is it it wants to move the country towards 100% renewable energy by 2030. So when, this was all something she said in response to a study that was done in 2017. This study, which we should de- dig into, it identifies that the most effective way that people can cut carbon is to not have kids. Like, it's like scientific. So I'm like, that's yeah. So she was responding to that. That's what she was talking about, right? And she was not telling people not to have kids. That's not what her thing is. She mm-hmm. was just bringing the conversation up like, hey, this is why people are choosing to not have children. We should do something about climate, right? Yeah. Everyone talked about it. The talk did like an entire segment talking about her, talking about this. Like, mm-hmm. that's she- how, that's a big part of how she got her name is the Green New Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then exactly. So then like, like I said, she had 2.2 million followers at the time. Now she has like 8.8 million. So <laughs> it's definitely something that made people go, what? what? Yeah. Um, okay. So then another example is in September of 2019, she was photographed. She took like a selfie with like a little kid. Mm-hmm. And this is when everyone's like, oh my gosh, like, does she have a secret child somewhere? Oh God. <laughs> it was not that she, um, she went back online and was like, this is my staffer's child. And um, her quote was, we're testing new childcare policies on the campaign by covering childcare expenses for traveling parents or covering travel for children. 
um, plus a partner to join on certain trips. And so she's like, wish us luck. Cause people are like, who's that kid? Yeah. Um, oh man. So, so that happened in September and then most recently. So in February of 2021, she did another Instagram live video and she talked about how she's been, um, she's experienced sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And how she um, she ta- she like documented her account at the U.S. Capitol on the mm-hmm. day of. I the- watched that Instagram live, ironically enough. Okay, so then yeah. you know. So I'm just gonna like make it really short what she said. So she talked about how she was in her office, right? And she um, she had hid in her office bathroom, and then the Capitol like police officer entered and was like shouting like, "Where is she?" And then ordered her and her staff to evacuate. But she said the scary part was that the officer didn't self-identify. So she didn't know if it was an attacker or if it was a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I have a quote here from her, from that IG Live saying, I had a very close encounter where I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. So she's just been like very open and honest, like about the stuff that she struggles with, right? And then a couple other things. So she, she did an interview with Trevor Noah. This was a couple years ago. It's on YouTube. She talks a lot. She, she addresses like the controversies of her, right? People are like, mm-hmm. well, you're a socialist. So she explains like, no, listen, this is what I stand for. This is why mm-hmm. I stand for it, right? And then I was dying because in the comments, one of, someone said, they said, AOC on national television wearing a hair tie on her wrist is the most relatable thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I was dying because like, that's so true. Like yes. that's something we would do, right? Oh yeah. And then, and then also this is just comments, but I wanted to bring it to, you know, her life because it's her that's getting these comments. But people mm-hmm. were, there's a lot of people there who are like, could this be our first woman president? Are we watching like yeah. our first, you know, potential woman candidate president? All these things. And I just, I'm like, wow, could you imagine the first woman president being child-free? Dallas, we're getting invited to the White House. Oh, I'm trying to slide <laughs> up in her DMs and become her best friend, basically. <laughs> she really is very cool. Uh, but to, to talk about her child-free life, so to talk about that, we have to talk about her partner. So she does have a boyfriend. His name is Riley Roberts, which I'm like, that is the freaking coolest name ever. Love it. <laughs> um, they're pretty p- private, but you know, I'm a journalist, so I got the scoop. Yeah, I was going to say, is... I didn't know that. So yes, teach me, please. <laughs> you didn't know she had a boyfriend? No. Oh, okay. See, so they're pretty private about it. So yeah. he is a web designer. They met in college. Um, he's super supportive. You see him in the documentary. So when you okay. watch that, you'll see him pop up. And then they've talked about like, so there's a quote from her mom and her mom says about Riley, I really, she's like, I love him. They've been together four years. They broke up a little bit after college mm-hmm. and they got back together. She's like, they've been together four years since the breakup. And I know they love children and I know they do well with children. So I'm hoping they get married soon. So the mom's <laughs> definitely like that. Like, let's go. I'm ready to be a grandma, you know, yeah. um, AOC has said, in a Vanity Fair article, she t- she talked about freezing her eggs. So she says that she got a dog because mm-hmm. she, see, you guys can be best friends. She Deco, got a- he's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, I got a dog because I had to like force myself not to just like live and breathe work. But mm-hmm. then her quote was, I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, do I freeze my eggs? Can I afford to do that? My orthodontist was telling me about IVF and I'm like, what's that like? So she's definitely child-free. And mm-hmm. she definitely has played around with the fact, like maybe fence sitting more. She doesn't really talk a lot about her child-free life, but sure. she's definitely focused on work at the moment because she is doing oh, yeah. crazy, amazing things. So AOC, and- give her a Google. That's my child-free woman. Yeah. I didn't know that she was more on the spectrum of child-freeness. Um, 
obviously just being a big fan of hers following her on Instagram, you know, but it's more of her work life yeah. than her private life. It's very rare that you get that, which I mean, I'm sure any, any person in politics is like, maybe I should start keeping all that stuff more private because everything gets, you know, turned around and misconstrued right. and, and used against you. So I totally understand that, but yeah, no. And, and, you know, it was actually kind of hard to find if she was child-free. Cause I saw this on a Reddit thread is what happened. Okay. And so I was like, they were like, is she child-free or not? Like, are there any politicians who are child-free? So then yeah. I spent like hours just trying to figure out if she had a kid. And I was like, she's not public about that stuff. So it's mm-hmm. hard. she's on Instagram, like, here's me and my baby. Yeah. So she is very private about it, but her story is really inspiring. It's really cool. She's doing great stuff. She's just, she's just your everyday person. Who's like, this yeah. is BS. Let's do something about this. So, right. Yeah. yeah. But that's it. Those are. I'm so glad you did her. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Thank y'all for listening. Yes. Email us or DM us. If you are AOC, you better, you better DM Dallas. She'll freak out. (laughs) I'll die. Uh, It'll be Uh, the the best day of my life. (laughs) But uh, DM us people you want to know more about. So that's what we've got for you today. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. All right. Bye. Bye. 